Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast with me, Andy Sylvester, on what is the equivalent of the night before Christmas for economists, with the Bank of England set to raise rates tomorrow. In a few minutes, I'll talk to Suzanne Brooker, the head of restructuring and insolvency at BDB Pittmans, about the headwinds facing the UK economy. But for now, the headlines, and it really is all about Threadneedle Street. An exclusive poll of top economists undertaken by City AM's Jack Barnett suggests the bank will embark on the fastest rate hike cycle since 2004 four in a bid to tame rampant inflation in the UK. The first back-to-back rate hike in 18 years seems to be something of a foregone conclusion tomorrow and will signal the bank's intent to rapidly shift policy from supporting the British economy through the pandemic to stamping out inflation. After that, Threadneedle Street will lift rates a further three times, reckon our economists, taking them to 1.25% by the end of the year, marking the first time the bank has raised borrowing costs four times in the calendar year since, again, that 2004 number. And Andrew Sentence, former rate setter and now senior advisor to Cambridge Econometrics, said he expects three further rate rises this year after today's meeting. Several top analysts agree with Sentence. Goldman Sachs and Capital Economics both pricing in four rate hikes in 2022. All to watch tomorrow. I think that's pretty safe bet that we'll see a rate rise. But of course, the question is what happens next and what is discussed by Governor Andrew Bailey. Elsewhere in corporate news, Vodafone's boss is hunting for more deals. He says that's nothing to do with the fact there's an activist suddenly heavily involved. GlaxoSmithKline has had some good news after a period of being in the headlines for somewhat the wrong reasons, um, as its US rival Gilead has been forced to hand over $1.25 billion in what the firm has described as the biggest ever pharma patent battle. Ocado has bounced back from a shares slump, and a highly unusual setback has occurred at Playtech, where it looks like Asian investors have blocked an Australian takeover of the gambling firm. Questions now will be, is it time for Playtech to be broken up into its constituent parts? Elsewhere, British land have spent 157 157 million pounds. Sorry, you can capture my surprise. I can't even get the words out. 157 million pounds on a warehouse hub near Wembley Stadium, which has already been let. Good news for them and a sign of things to come, perhaps, with those large spaces just outside of cities becoming very valuable indeed as we shift to an online shopping model. Now we'll talk to Suzanne Brooker, the head of restructuring insolvency at BDB Pittmans. The UK economy may have been expected to be on a glide path to clearer skies post-pandemic, but that, alas, is not the case. Suzanne, thanks so much for uh, for popping in today. Great to be here. My pleasure. Um, we probably didn't think that life would ever be more difficult for businesses than it was during a pandemic. But actually, as we look back on that period, yes, it was incredibly difficult shifting to remote working. It was incredibly difficult dealing with, in some cases, including this one, the almost complete collapse of revenues overnight. But as we sort of glide gently out of the pandemic, um, God willing, there are still quite a number of headwinds affecting affecting British businesses. And I guess you're on the front line of those challenges. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not sector specific across the board. Business of all shapes and sizes uh, have uh, similar problems. And the problems that we have all read about uh, in the press are actually real problems relating to supply chain issues, inflationary issues, staffing issues, and the uh, effectively snowballed up uh, debt that's been left over as a legacy from the COVID period. Mm. 
Yeah, no, that's absolutely something that's relevant, of course, because everybody survived through a certain period of time. But then you have to, eventually you have to start looking at the bills and start start paying them back. What's your feeling of the way that the business community as a whole is dealing with this? Because I remember at the start of the pandemic, there was a huge amount of flexibility of debt forgiveness, of, of rent holidays, et cetera, et cetera. There was a sort of, we're all in this together um, atmosphere, at least among businesses that, you know, were probably doing things the right way. Is that something that's continuing now into 2022? Or do you think it's something that we need to see more of, I suppose, that flexibility between businesses to, to keep us all around? Because, of course, the economic environment is still tight. Yeah, absolutely. In my experience, most are taking a commercial view. I mean, you can't get blood out of a stone. <laughs> uh, where there is a you know difficult trading period for whichever sector you're in, and, and different sectors have different challenges, uh, they all have the same challenges, of course. And the flexibility is still there. I think there's been some hardening. Uh, across the board, um, because of stories regarding, um, uh, I use the word inadvisedly, perhaps fraudulent mm. claiming of government reliefs and yeah. or perhaps a perceived misrepresentation of financial positions. Um, but overall, I see everybody still collaborating so far as they are able to within their own organisations. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that is quite apparent now is is this cash squeeze in the economy mm. um where you know due to a whole number of things but mainly around supply chain issues businesses are even viable businesses right around this period as we head towards you know national insurance rises and there are sector specific things which are being withdrawn it is making life tough for the first few months of this year, right? So is there an argument, I guess, that, that that sort of, yes, a little bit of hardening for the first few months makes sense, but there will be some businesses that are viable, that are, you know, in a normal economy, even a new normal economy, able to build and grow, but they just need that little little sort of breathing space over the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of the restructuring work uh, that I'm involved in uh, across all sectors uh, involves uh, an element of negotiation. Mm. Um, the best cash flows that are forecast conservatively uh, are forecasts. And the reality, obviously, is dictated by things outside of their control often. Mm. The ability to be able to predict and to engage with suppliers, customers, uh, employees, uh, landlords, HMRC in terms of commitments to repay deferred uh, or unpaid tax, right. all of those things, uh, if tackled maturely uh, and uh, transparently as far as in advance as possible, uh, they're met usually with uh, uh, pushing an open door. Yeah, well, of course you would be, as you say, blood out of a stone doesn't doesn't work. What could businesses do? Because I think we've we've all become far more aware of the fact that individual firms can be run as well as they might be run. Uh, managers can manage as well as it's possible to manage. But if the world stops overnight, or if you know the supply chain simply doesn't work anymore for for reasons outside of people's control, there's very little. In theory, you can do. What safeguards can you put in place as a, as a business owner, a small business owner, 
to to ensure that we don't get to that point where we are in thinking about restructuring insolvency? What can we do to to prevent people getting there? Yeah, no, sure. I mean, there is no miracle or magic wand, uh, single thing that one person that, that businesses can do. It never ceases to uh, surprise me, and I've been doing this for over thirty years. That some some businesses uh, don't have accurate management information, and in particular, it is the cash. Mm. It, it's cash management, cash forecasting, and and doing so on a conservative. I think people. Uh, sometimes fall in the trap of putting their best case cash case forward rather than a really conservative, you know, what would be the impact of uh, increased costs or supply issues to delays to delivery, delays to invoicing. The cost of sales is really important here. Mm. Um, and when I talk about restructuring, I'm not talking about insolvency. Insolvency is mm. is bad. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the point at which all the options have come to a close. Restructuring is something that every business uh, should be doing all of the time because without restructuring, there is, uh, there can be, there isn't always, you know, an increase in, in cost and possible waste and, and lack of efficiency. So it, it, the drivers are constantly reviewing a viable business so that should there be a bump in the road, the management team and professional advisors actually have a chance to to save it, to yeah. restructure it and save it without it falling too late where there is not enough time and not enough interest because the viability becomes more doubtful. Mm. Yeah, so <laughs> it's sort of the oldest the oldest trick in the book, I suppose, is just to keep keep an eye on your cash flow, really, and, and think it, about the worst really that is. could happen. Um, not not enough of us probably do that. I think in my household finances, but anyway, hopefully <laughs> businesses do indeed. Um, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us. It's been, my, as I say, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. That's all from me here. That was Suzanne Brooker from BDB Pittmans. We'll be back tomorrow with news of a rate rise, no doubt. But the question, how far, how fast? <laughs>